Good morning, good morning, good morning. Hope everyone is doing well. I would like to welcome you to our virtual gathering for worship this morning. My name is Pastor Ryan. I'm the senior pastor here at Church of the Atonement. And uh, we have a beautiful morning to gather together and worship the Lord. I'd like to welcome all of you that are coming online, either through the website or the Facebook. And uh, we love seeing the interaction that's happening during the prelude of greeting one another and uh, saying hello. That's a wonderful uh, gift that we have to interact through Facebook. For those of you who are coming on uh, through the website, we hope that you feel the welcome as well. And uh, if we have any first-time guests, we'd love to know if this is your first time tuning in with us. You can write a comment uh, in the comment section on Facebook or send an email, an email to info at atonementlife.org and let us know this is your first time. We'd love to have an opportunity to reach out and invite you to uh, when we are able to gather again in person and, and even have an opportunity to help you if you have any questions about what it means to uh, be a part of our church family or follow Christ, um, what it means, anything that we're talking about in these sermons, we'd love to connect with you and be a resource for you and have an opportunity to, to pray for you, that God would guide you in your process of uh, learning more about Him. Um, the second thing I'd like to do is wish uh, everyone a happy Mother's Day. I wish everyone a happy Mother's Day because everyone has a mother, if you're alive. It's a little known fact. Uh, Actually, today is a day that uh, there's a lot of joy, and there's also a lot of feelings. Some may be feeling uh, some of the bitterness that comes with Mother's Day. It's a bittersweet day because we know that there are many in our congregation and in our, our lives who have desired to become mothers and have not been uh, given that opportunity yet and not had that come to be in their life. We know that there are many who have a desire to have a close relationship with their mother or with their daughter and that's not something that is very present in uh, life. We also know that there are many who wish they could be present with their moms, and either their mothers have passed on and are at home in, in uh, heaven with the Lord, or they uh, are away from their moms, as many of us are, separated in this time of, of uh, stay at home. And so we know that there's a lot of bitterness on this day, but we also know that this is a day that is filled with sweetness as we cherish the gift of motherhood, uh, how God has placed mothers in our lives to guide us in this way. And so if my mom's watching, I'd like to just say, Happy Mother's Day, Mom. I'm very thankful for you. And I hope that you'll do the same. So if you're hearing this message now, call your mother if you can. Call your mother, tell her that you love her. Uh, last thing I'd like to just give is a, is a quick update. Uh, I wanted to let you know that last month at our uh, monthly elder meeting, um, I asked our elders if we could put together a committee to help us study and prepare and organize our efforts in reopening. Um, a lot of businesses and churches and uh, institutions of all kinds are thinking about this right now and trying to identify how do we do this well? What are the things that we need to be thinking about? Um, so we've put together a committee, and I'd like to let you know some of the folks that are on that committee. That committee is being led by Elder Tom Seibeck. It also includes other elders, uh, Randall Spadoni, Rand Hunsinger, and Steve Cairns, uh, as well as we have uh, Deanna Carafiat and Mary Moderman serving on that committee. Um, and so at this time, basically what we're doing is we are working to develop our reopening process and so we are taking into consideration the various practices that other churches may be uh, 
developing and using um, as the, the uh, proximity to our reopening nears. We're looking for guidance from the health community and also looking at our own specific context of how is uh, the COVID-19 uh, pandemic taking shape in our particular zip codes. So we're being aware of all those things. And basically, we really need wisdom. And we, uh, we need prayer as we try to think through all these logistics of timing and communication and safety and space and the spiritual care that this uh, reopening is going to require. And so we would love to have you please be a part of our efforts and join us in prayer. And also, if you have any insight, we know many of you are working in fields that could have insight to um, ways that, that we can uh, practice safety and caution as we reopen so that we are caring best for our neighbors and our uh, church family here. If you have insight or comments or concern, please feel free to get in touch with Tom Seibeck. You can uh, contact him at his home phone number. Uh, if you need that, you can get in touch with our office at info at atonementlife.org, or you can wait. There will be an email sent out uh, that will have Tom's uh, home number provided so that you can relay information to him. Um, so we'd love to have you begin to be praying with us about that, praying for that committee as we go about that work. And I'd like to begin this service now, if you would please join me for a word of prayer. Father, as we come at this time, in this hour, on this day which is set apart for gathering in your name and worshiping you and remembering all you've done in our lives, we pray for your Spirit's help. Help us to worship you in spirit and in truth. We ask for your Spirit to help calm all the things that would distract us, the fears and the anxieties, the temptations uh, of, uh, and distractions that come with life in this time. We ask, Lord, that you would help to quiet our hearts so that we might have our hearts and minds totally focused on you and your goodness. We ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. Good morning to you on this Lord's Day. Hear now the call to worship. From 1 Chronicles chapter 29, verses 10 to 13. Blessed are you, O Lord, the God of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. For all that is in the heavens and in the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head above all. Both riches and honor come from you, and you rule over all. In your hand are power and might, and in your hand it is to make great and to give strength to all. And now we thank you, our God, and praise your glorious name. Brothers and sisters, come, let us lift our voices in praise and thanks to our almighty triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Let's sing together this joyful Easter tide.
blood, Christ that once was slain, ne'er burst his three-day prison. Our faith had been in vain, but now has Christ that lay between us how high the mountain I could not climb in desperation I turned to heaven and spoke your name into the night then through the darkness your loving kindness tore through shadows of my soul. The work is finished, the end is written. Jesus Christ, my living hope. Who could 
find in scriptures that they record how God's people would from time to time wander, and they would wander in great ways. They would allow all sorts of idolatries and sins to come in to the land that God had declared where his people should live and be holy. We're reminded of how God invites 
his people to respond and repent and confess their sin, returning to him from their wicked ways. We see this in Joel 2, verses 12 through 13. Listen to these words. Even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. Rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love. And he relents from sending calamity. Would you pray with me? Father, your word teaches us that in seasons when it seems that sin is abounding, both in our lives and in our world, when those effects of evil and sin are evident in your people and in the places that we live, your people should humble themselves and turn from their wicked ways and seek your face and you will hear and heal. You promise to relent, to intervene. And Father, for us to come before you humbly, we must remember our lowly position, that by our sin, we are not worthy of being called your people. But it is through Christ that we are your people. It's through grace that we are made your people. And so, Lord, we come to you knowing that we have no standing in our own righteousness, but only that of Christ, that we have received an amazing gift of grace. And we know, Father, how far we have fallen short. And so for the many ways we've sinned against you, we ask for your forgiveness this morning. Father, you know the ways that we have given into temptation in the words that we've spoken, in the thoughts that we've thought, in the deeds that we have done. Nothing is hidden from your sight. You know the ways that we have sinned in frustration and anger. You know the ways that we have sinned as we seek pleasure or relief for ourselves. You know the ways that we have sinned out of fear and anxiety. Father, in these close quarters and times of isolation, you have been there, and there has been no time where you have not been present as we have given in to weakness. And Lord, you know that there's nothing hidden. We know that. And so we are sorry and we acknowledge our sin and we ask for your forgiveness. Forgive us our sins through the precious blood of Christ. Father, not only do we lament the things which we have done, but we also lament the presence of sin that we see in our world. Our hearts are grieved and broken once again by all the manifestations of sin that exists in our world. Lord, as we see in the news cycles, the great division that exists in our country and how there is still hatred breeding amongst people in their hearts. Lord, we grieve the senseless murder of Ahmad Arbery. We grieve that this act was committed by men who claim to be followers of Christ. 
Lord, we grieve that Ahmad's mother will not hear the voice of her son on this Mother's Day. Lord, we do not grieve this isolated event alone, but rather the evil that it presents to us. For we know that this is just one manifestation of the power of sin that is so present in our world. Lord, we ask for your forgiveness. Forgive us if we ever thought that this sickness has been cured or that the evils of prejudice and injustice could simply improve with education and time and goodwill. Lord, we know there is only one cure. That is your power working in the hearts of sinners to redeem and to change, to transform people from death to life, from places of sin and brokenness to be prepared for a place of glory. So, Father, we ask forgiveness and help. Help us in our witness to the good news. Help us to see our task in building your kingdom and speaking your truth and sharing your love with this world. Forgive us for acting like the task is finished. Father, we pray that your Holy Spirit would guide us that has guided believers of all time in declaring your love for this world and the need for your power to be at work in our lives. Father, for these things we ask forgiveness through the powerful and precious blood of Christ. Amen. Scripture reminds us and assures our hearts that our standing and the peace that we have with God is not because of anything that we do, but because of what Christ has done on our behalf. Romans 5.1 says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, it's important for us to know that Christ died for our sins. He has made full atonement for us. We are forgiven and have the promise of eternal life. Feel that forgiveness in your heart. We are his children, and he loves us dearly. Amen. At this time, we are going to have the gift of music. Uh, we're going to have an ensemble of singers, which we are blessed with as they sing through a wonderful hymn for us. And this is also the time in our normal gathering when we would be uh, also collecting the tithes and offerings of which we worship the Lord, thanking him and participating with him in the building of his kingdom. And so at this time, I'd like to encourage you and thank you for the way that the Lord has worked in your life and the way that you are responding to his work by giving and supporting the work of the church. We appreciate your support during this time. We know that it is blessing many believers at this time to be receiving help. And we look forward to the ways that we can gather once again together and celebrate in the gift of music. So let's join our hearts and minds in focusing on God's love.
one of my favorite hymns. What a blessing to hear those words and remember that our souls can be stilled, that God loves us. I should unmute my microphone. What I was saying was that's one of my favorite hymns. <clears throat> and it's a blessing to have our souls reminded of all that God controls, even in the midst of hardships and trials. Well, we are at our children's sermon. Uh, this is the time where normally we'd have a bunch of kids running up, hopefully, and sitting up here on the platform next to me, and we get to have a little conversation. So, kids, if you're listening this morning, today uh, is a special day. You've probably already done some celebration in your home this morning of this day. We've already drawn attention to it a little bit this morning, the fact that it is Mother's Day. And Mother's Day is a really good day because it helps us remember just how blessed we are, just how lucky we are. It helps us remember how good we've got it. You know, sometimes we forget what a gift it is to have a mom. Sometimes your mommy might not feel very much like a gift to you. She might make you do things that you don't want to do. Can I get an amen out there? Thank you. That's right. Sometimes your mom will make you go and clean your room. Stop what you're doing. No, go and clean your room. Sometimes your mom will say, nope, you can't finish the next episode. You need to stop and go get a shower before you do anything else. You stink. They might tell you to go get a bath. Sometimes your mom won't let you leave the table until you finish eating your vegetables. Maybe your mom has been hovering over you, making sure you do every bit of your schoolwork. Maybe your mom is telling you that you need to share the TV or the iPad or the toys a little bit more with your brother or sister or maybe your dad if he's really bored. Maybe your mom has been telling you, look, I know it seems a little early. I know the sun is still up, but it's bedtime. You need to go to bed. I know that I didn't like it when I was your age. I did not like when my mommy told me to do those things. It didn't feel like that was a very pleasant thing. This wasn't something that I liked. But those were ways now that I see that I'm older that my mommy was loving me and taking care of me and helping me to grow. And something that I oftentimes will forget is that around the world there are many little boys and girls who really wish that they had a mom who would tell them to clean their room or take a shower, or eat their vegetables, or to learn and do their schoolwork. That they really wish they had a mom who cared for them the way that my mom did. And so Mother's Day is a special day when we can stop and think, remember what a gift it is that God gave us a mom. Now, our mommies aren't perfect. Sometimes they get upset over things that they shouldn't be getting upset about. Sometimes they're too tired to play and their frustrations come out at us. Sometimes it might feel like they're always giving us work or always correcting, but the Bible tells us that our moms are a gift. God placed your mom in your life to care for you, and not everyone gets to celebrate time with their mommy today. Some of our mommies are in heaven with Jesus, and some of our mommies just aren't in our homes anymore. We live on our own, away from them. And so it's a good day for us, even though we maybe feel like we've been trapped in a home with our moms, no friends, no school, no breaks. 
It's a good day to remember what a gift it is to have our moms in our lives. And I hope that you can take some time today and thank God for the gift that he has given you and show your mommy how special she is and what a blessing she is. And remember how good you've got it. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for the gift of parents and particularly for the gift of moms. We thank you for how you use moms to train us up, to teach us truths, to take care of us and help us grow strong, to be there and advocate um, for us whenever we are in trial, to arbitrate between brothers and sisters when we're fighting. Lord, for all the ways that moms are a gift to us, help us to remember them today. Help us not to take our moms for granted, but to love them. We pray for our moms now, Lord. We thank you for them, and we ask that you would bless them and strengthen them for the work that they do. Even though it is a thankless job, we pray, Father, that they would be filled with the knowledge that you are pleased with their work, that you are their strength and their source for all the mothering and momming that needs to be done, even when they feel tapped out and struggling. Father, we pray that they would know that truth and that their children would help remember or to remind them of that truth in the ways that we appreciate them today. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, I'm going to uh, begin our big people sermon by putting a statement up on the screen beside me. It's a great time to be alive. It is a great time to be alive. Not too many months ago, I think uh, probably many of us would have agreed with that statement. You know, that would have been a sentiment that we would have shared. This is, in fact, a great time to be alive. We are coming out of uh, the holiday season. Of course, our economy was strong. There were a lot of things going very well, a lot of things to be excited about. But of course, now you won't find many people saying that. With the global health pandemic, I know that uh, many of us feel that life is a daily struggle. We're struggling to maintain semblances of normal. Uh, we're trying to keep peace in the house. We're trying to keep our kids learning. We're trying to think of something to make for dinner because we've already worked our way through our recipe books and we can't think of anything else to make. Um, here's a tip. Call people and ask them what they're making. That will give you, uh, give you some new wisdom and insights. Get some recipes from some folks. But this, this situation that we're in has gone on long enough that it's beginning to really feel like a struggle. You know, some of us could get through the first couple weeks, but now that we're entering upon two months, um, some days are easy, but others are not. And we feel like we're wearing thin, thin, and we're still feeling some of the shocks to our system of this new reality that we find ourselves in. And of course, we're always trying to keep an open eye or ear to hear some good news in this season. So we're hoping to hear that numbers are going down with um, COVID-19 infections. We're hoping to hear that numbers are going up with people recovering from infection to this disease. We're hoping to, I think a lot of us, we're hoping to get some closure about the school year in Maryland, uh, what was going to happen with the remainder of the school year. Some of us are hoping to hear that our business can open up or that we will have a job to return to. And so we're, we have our ears and eyes open to kind of receive this good news. Now, of course, I don't know what news resource you use to gather your information and get your news. 
But it seems like no matter what uh, avenue of news you get, whether it's a paper, whether it's through social media, whether it's through uh, headlines, through whatever news network, it seems like for every piece of good news that you might get, there's about a dozen pieces of bad news that come along with it. There's about a dozen headlines or posts that just turn your stomach. And so we see reports about the economic hardships of unemployment. Those numbers are just unbelievable right now. About businesses who are afraid to, that they're not going to be able to reopen. Some businesses that are choosing to reopen and defy the, the uh, restrictions that are placed upon them. We see tangible manifestations of the deep political divide that is in our country right now. There's a lot of people trying to take sides a lot of people trying to accuse and throw blame. And then we have the gut-wrenching fact that prejudice and injustice are still thriving evils in our society. Evidence that progress alone doesn't seem to solve the problem at its deepest roots. And so it certainly doesn't seem like there's very much reason to say it's a great time to be alive. Now we can't forget as Americans, the many privileges that we have relative to those who live around the world and the relative comfort that we enjoy as Christians living in this uh, country, being able to gather in freedom on normal basis, not feeling deep persecutions and threats upon our lives for our beliefs, though we do feel there is some um, intolerance that is growing in our country. But there is enough happening in our lives, even as blessed as we are, even as lucky as we are to, to be citizens of this country, there's enough happening that we may find it difficult to agree that this is a great time to be alive. That's how anyone feels when hardships come. We long for times when things were different, and some of us can remember what those times were like. Some of us wish that we could be a child again. Remember the days where you didn't have to worry about bills? Remember the days when you didn't have a, a worry or a care in the world except when you could finish dinner and go out and play before the streetlights came on? You know, some of us wish that we could be a child again. Some of us wish we could just be young again when we didn't have all the pains and aches of just going through normal life. Some of us wish we could return to times when life just seemed a lot simpler, when we didn't seem like we were just inundated by all of this information and news and where people seemed like they were more united. And that's the same feeling, I think, that the believers felt that Peter was writing to. That's the same feeling, I think, that they were experiencing. Last week, we saw how Peter acknowledges the hardships that they face. Though passing, they're hardships that cause great grief. And though they're necessary, they are of various kinds of and intensities. And so what we're seeing as we come to uh, Peter's introduction this morning, as he's closing this section, this sentence, is that he wants to greet them with a reminder of the great blessing that it is for them to be living at this time in this age. Which might seem like difficult words to deliver to people who are in the midst of hardship. So let's read our passage this morning and hear what God has preserved for us in his word through the writing of the Apostle Peter. Peter writes, Concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully, 
inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you in the things that have now been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. Well, I said in the children's sermon that Mother's Day is the day that helps us remember how good we've got it. Sometimes you don't realize how good you've got it. And this can be true of our mothers, and it can also be true about our salvation and the time and age in which we find ourselves. Peter wants these believers to understand just how blessed they are, even though it doesn't feel like it, even though they are in the midst of a difficult situation, feeling all kinds of pressures and trials and persecutions and sufferings, that they, in fact, are at a period in time and place in historical, uh, in the history of salvation that is a blessing to experience. And so he reminds them and mentions three things concerning their salvation. The first thing that he does is he says their salvation is a special grace that is given to them. One thing that we can't miss is how Peter focuses their attention on the fact that living in the age of salvation through Christ is a grace. It's always helpful to remember this word. Churchy words like grace that get used all the time to remember what that word means. That grace is unmerited or undeserved favor from God. So he's... He's reminding them that the fact that they are experiencing this salvation and receive this salvation through Christ, it is unmerited, uh, unearned, undeserved favor from God. All through this letter so far, in his introduction, Peter has been emphasizing this reality that God has lavished these believers with his great favor. That they are receiving an amazing salvation accompanied by profound proofs and assurances that they have received the salvation of Jesus Christ in its fulfillment, that God's plan for salvation has been unveiled as Christ has been revealed to them. That is an incredible grace, one that many have had great interest in. And that's actually the second thing that Peter uh, relays to them, that he mentions. Peter mentions that their salvation is something that many have longed to see. And Peter mentions three parties in these verses. He mentions prophets. He mentions what I'm calling evangelists or ones who preach the good news. And then he also mentions angels. And he mentions each of these groups and their participation of seeing this grace come to pass. And each has taken a great interest in seeing salvation come. So he begins with the prophets, that their salvation is something that the prophets have longed to see. Peter writes that the prophets who prophesied searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time. So who Peter is is writing about here are the prophets who prophesied and foretold about the coming of the Messiah. Prophets like the prophet Isaiah, who we have written uh, his writings in the Old Testament. He wrote in chapter 53 of his book, Uh, that very famous passage predicting the coming Messiah as a suffering servant, that the Messiah would be stricken and scorned to bring salvation. Other prophets that he is referencing here would be a prophet like Daniel. Daniel who talked about the coming of one like a son of man, one that comes and has glory, 
given authority and glory and sovereign power with all nations and peoples of every language worshiping him, having a kingdom and dominion that will never come to an end. Even preceding these two prophets, Peter has in mind a prophet like David, whom Peter references as a prophet in his sermon in the book of Acts that's recorded for us in Acts chapter 2. In verse 30 of Acts 2, Peter says, Being therefore a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that he would set one of his descendants on the throne, he foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of the Christ. This is the words that Peter delivered uh, on the day of Pentecost, talking about David, King David being a prophet who foretold the coming of Christ. So these are the prophets that uh, Peter has in mind, the prophets who were given predictions about the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. And the question that was burning in the minds of the prophets were, Lord, when will these things happen? When are these things going to take, take place? What would this suffering be? How would he be brought into glory after suffering? Who is it that is coming? And so Peter knows that these prophets longed to know and carefully inquired about this salvation. And he knows this also because Jesus told Peter these things. You might remember Jesus' words to Peter as well as the other disciples in Matthew 13, 16 through 17, where Jesus says, But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people longed to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. So we can also remember... Jesus' instruction to those two disciples in the passage that we looked at on Easter Sunday. The two disciples on the day of resurrection who are traveling from Jerusalem to Emmaus. And Jesus, who was disguised from them, from their sight, they did not see that it was him. He was talking with them and he said, was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? Again, that theme of having a period of suffering followed by subsequent glory. It says that Jesus then, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So the promise of salvation brought by the Messiah is something that the prophets longed to know. And so they were inquiring. They were inquiring of the Spirit of Christ in them trying to understand when and who and how God would bring these things to be. These passages that I've just read highlight this longing that Peter is trying to capture here. The intense interest in knowing when God would bring salvation to uh, this world. But instead of being given an answer of when and who and how, Peter writes that it was revealed to these prophets that their revelations the promises that they prayed about, the predictions that they dwelled upon and hoped in were not for themselves, but they were for you. They were for believers of this age. It's a powerful statement that Peter is writing here to understand that we live in a time where we experience and enjoy a full revelation of all that Jesus did. And it was a grace that is meant for us. It helps us to see that the time in which we live is actually a time of great privilege. That's what Peter is writing to these believers. 
not only did the prophets long to see this, but Peter also mentions the great interests that evangelists have in this good news, this salvation coming to them. A salvation that uh, is something that, that uh, evangelists longed to see. The evangelists uh, are the ones who are the bearers of good news or the gospel. These were sometimes just evangelists. They also could have included the apostles, many of whom were witnesses of the sufferings and the glory of Christ. As Peter writes, they were announcing these things, heralding the fulfillment of those prophecies from long ago now being fulfilled, the sufferings being fulfilled in Christ, the glories being fulfilled in Christ. And so Peter's writing that they, they uh, came announcing these things to you. So the prophets, it's interesting, took interest in seeing the salvation of God come to the world, and they were inquiring about when and who. But the evangelists come into the scene, taking an interest in seeing God's people receive that salvation as the good news is preached. So they are announcing the predictions of the prophets as being fulfilled in Jesus Christ, and they get to see salvation enter the hearts of people. And this is what they were preaching. They preached of how Christ came into the world. They preached about his identity, that he was the true and living Son of God. They tell of his ministry, of how he was sinless, of how he performed many miracles. They preached of his teaching about the plans of God. They preached about his uh, work that he did to heal many people, about what he did upon the cross to heal us from our sins, how he suffered willingly, taking punishment that should have been ours, how he was buried, how he was sealed up in a tomb, and how after suffering, he rose again with glory and is now ascended, seated at the right hand of the Father, ruling and reigning in heaven. So when Peter writes to these believers, the things announced to you, that's what he's referring to. All these predictions that the prophets were given are now being something that, they're now something that is being announced to the believers of this age. And so Peter's point is that through the preaching of the good news, the believers are receiving that grace of salvation, the good things predicted so long ago. And evangelists are the ones preaching this good news, longing to see hearers be transformed into believers. And so Peter reminds each believer of the ones who announced this good news to them. Now there's a third group that Peter mentions here, and this group are not people, but they are beings. Peter mentions that this salvation is something that angels long to see or to look into. Here Peter references heavenly beings longing to see this salvation take place. I love what he does here in that he expands the perspective of these believers from not just considering the interest that is found among the inhabitants of this world, but reminding them that the inhabitants of the throne room of heaven take great interest in seeing this salvation come. That they have longingly had their attention fixed upon this time longing to see salvation coming to the world. Angels in Scripture consistently serve as heralds of God's glory, celebrating God's nature and declaring His glory. When the angels appeared to the shepherds at the time that Jesus was born, you might remember this famous passage, 
It says that they broke out with shouts of glory. They were proclaiming God's glory. Angels are also mentioned frequently by Jesus in his earthly ministry. He says that angels will return with him, working to gather all of God's people together on the day of his coming. And so here, Peter presents a picture of angels to these believers and to us in great anticipation. Angels that are longing to see this salvation come to be. Longing to see God's glory fill the world by first filling the hearts of forgiven and redeemed sinners. To see God's dominion begin bringing new life and new love for God from something that was deeply marred by sin. Angels longing to see the people they will one day gather being built a soul at a time, made into a spiritual temple where God will dwell forever. Each group that Peter mentions from their own activity and perspective has a great interest and a great investment in seeing this salvation take place. The prophets who predicted, the evangelists who preached the fulfillment of all those prophecies in Jesus and the angels who long to see this salvation fully and finally complete. And so Peter shares these perspectives to build up these believers and to show them how they are beneficiaries of something that many have longed to see take place, that they have received a very special grace, and they're living at a very special time. It's a great privilege to receive a salvation and understand the plan of God in light of what Jesus Christ has done us. Well, the last thing that Peter does is he also makes an effort to underline the Spirit's work in the transmission of this grace, from its predictions to its proclamation. After Peter speaks of the prophets, he writes that they inquired of the Spirit of Christ in them. It was the Spirit of Christ that was giving them these predictions. He's emphasizing that this salvation and the promise predictions, these sufferings and glories that have been written long ago, had spiritual foundations. This was not a hope that was invented by men, but one that was inspired by the Spirit of Christ himself. It was Christ's Spirit that revealed these things were not just for their benefit, but actually for the age to come, for those that would live at another time during and after the coming of Christ. The Spirit is the one who sparked that hope long ago. And likewise, when the evangelists are announcing these things, declaring the good news, Peter writes that they were preaching these things by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. So it's not the power or presence of the evangelists. It's not their own zeal that drives their preaching of this good news. But once again, it is the Spirit guiding this message, guiding this offer of grace. Notice how Peter is emphasizing the work of the Holy Spirit and transmitting this message from its prediction to its proclamation. The Spirit of Christ is active. It's revealing these predictions about future suffering and glory to the prophets. And after Christ ascends, his Spirit is compelling the apostles and the evangelists to preach and proclaim the good news. And so it's like the Spirit from all of eternity has been working in this time to deliver this grace to those that God has called to become his children. That's what Peter seems to be underlining here for them. 
that the Holy Spirit has been at work this entire time to deliver this grace to you. The very same children that Peter is writing to in this letter. Now we've taken four weeks to break out the first 12 verses of Peter's letter, and we've been studying them very closely. And even though we've we've dived this deep and we've broken things out and spent a lot of time, there's really a very basic message that Peter is trying to convey in all of this. As he begins his letter to these believers who are experiencing great hardship, he wants them to know what a privilege it is to be God's people. That despite the hardships they experience, Peter wants them to know that all of heaven is eternally invested in their salvation. That though they are experiencing trials of various types, that they are receiving these trials with great grief and difficulty, that God is still in control. He secured their future through Jesus Christ, and he holds it secure even now. He wants them to understand that even though it doesn't feel like a tremendous blessing to be experiencing these hardships, they actually are living at a wonderful and blessed time. They are beneficiaries of a special grace where the fullness of God's plan has been revealed in Jesus Christ. A plan that prophets long to see, a plan that evangelists, spirit-driven preachers long to see take place, a plan that angels long to see come to fruition. A plan that has been guided all along by the work of the Holy Spirit, the very Spirit of Christ himself. Hardships have a way of clouding our judgment. They impinge upon our perspective on life. It can be very easy when we are experiencing hard times, like we are experiencing now, and times even harder than this. It can be very easy to lament the times that we live in. You know, I listed out a lot of kind of general and broad ways that we experience hardship right now. I haven't even touched on the personal ways that the loss of life or the brokenness of sin has touched us. And so it's certainly easy to feel despair and discouragement. It's certainly easy to lament the times that we live in. And there are things to lament. There is sin and brokenness that exists that are certainly worthy of lamentation. But our reasons for sorrow can never be overshadowed by our reasons for hope. That's the message that Peter wants to convey to these Christians. And that's the message that God has preserved for us, that in the light of the full revelation of, of the gospel, to know in all the ways that God is at work protecting and preserving his people and cherishing them, how he's showering them with grace. We live in a blessed time. We'll see in the coming weeks that this is a truth that informs how we live, how we endure these things. Even though we experience great hardship, even though we feel the sting of injustice or the pains of persecution or the sorrow of sin, we live in a special time and we have received a grace that many have longed for, that many are still longing to see come into the lives of those who have not received it yet. And despite the hardships we have, Peter's point is that it's good for us to remember what a blessing it is to receive this salvation, a grace 
that many have longed to see that has been carried by the Holy Spirit all the way to us. That is something that should secure us in the midst of the hardships that we face, a truth that we need to cling to in times like these. My prayer is that for those of us who have placed our faith in Christ, we would cling to that truth, that we would take hold of that perspective, that we would treat it a little bit like Mother's Day and remember just how good it is that we know all that God has revealed to us and how he works on our behalf. I also pray that if there are any watching and hearing about this hope that have not placed faith in Christ, that do not understand the assurances that we can cling to, my prayer is that the Spirit would be working in your heart even now, and that you would be open to listening to God's Word and to the testimony of many believers, and seeking counsel from the pastors and elders of this church that we might encourage you to believe in Jesus Christ so that you may experience the hope that you can have in the midst of hardship. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for these words once again, words that, that detail out all the ways in which you lavish us with your grace. Father, we ask for forgiveness for the times that we think the salvation isn't much to be thankful for for the times where this salvation is overshadowed by the hardships that we feel and experience. And Lord, although the grief and suffering is real, may we always be people who are reminded of the blessing that it is to live at this time. This indeed is a great time to be alive, to have all the answers that we do and the full knowledge of how you are working all things for the good of those who love you and who are called according to your purpose to know that nothing that we experience in the realms of hardship can separate us from the love of Christ. Father, may that be a hope that we cling to and rest in on this day, remembering that you are the one who secures our hope in the midst of hardship. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Let's pray together. Guide me, O thou great Jehovah, pilgrim through this barren land. I am weak, but thou art mighty. Hold me with thy powerful hand. Bread of heaven, bread of heaven, feed me till I want no more. Almighty God and our heavenly Father, your children come to you this morning pleading with you to look upon us Hear us, work on our hearts, minds, and souls. Father, we have forgotten what it means to be a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for your own possession. Our Father, the world stands in darkness, and the powers of darkness are busy. Father, the Church of Jesus Christ here at Atonement in Montgomery County, in Maryland, in these United States, and every nation on this globe desperately needs to embody precious words of our King and our Savior. Today, 
in this time that we live in now. The church is called to be the light of the world. Father, we are too easily surprised when bad things happen. We have forgotten the words of Jesus. And this is the judgment, that light has come into the world. People, people like us, people loved darkness rather than the light. Father, we desperately need to remember that Jesus came into the world to rescue lawbreakers from the holy wrath of God. Father, you sent Jesus to save those who sit in darkness. Father, our times need to know and feel and experience deliverance out of the domain of darkness. And God, to see you bringing people running into King Jesus' kingdom of light. Father, by the power of the Holy Spirit, use the church to show the world the God-given dignity placed upon all human life, for we are all made in the image of God by you. Father, cause your church to live in these days as pictures of Christ's kingdom alive and well in this world, imperfect though we are. Father, we want to ask your presence, your power, and your peace upon our congregation. We lift up especially those grieving. Jerry and Ross Farrow lost Jerry's mother, Adelaide, this week. Paradise and Rundell family lost a brother. The Wright family, a mother. The Ohanian family, a mother. The Carr family, a mother and a father. Cover them. Cover them with your comfort. Holy Spirit, we pray. Father, people are in need of work. People need to work in order to meet their responsibilities. In your perfect providence, hear our cries for mercy. We beg you and allow men and women to return to work, God, as you commanded in Genesis 1 and 2. We plead with you, Lord, to meet our every need. Father, protect us. Protect us from the schemes of the devil. He would destroy us. Teach us how to keep in step with the Holy Spirit. Father, there are numerous households who need you to intervene in their situations today. Lord, merciful Lord, meet with them. Bring peace. Bring, pre bring peace to homes. Bring purpose where there's feelings of hopelessness. Holy Spirit, lead atonement. Lead atonement in fruitful ministry. Lead us, O oh God, according to your precious word, we pray. We make all of this, these petitions, O oh God, in the name of King Jesus. In Christ's name we pray, amen and amen. Brothers and sisters, let's sing together Psalm 62. First line says, my soul finds rest in God alone. Amen.
My soul finds rest in God alone, my rock and my salvation, a fortress strong against my foes, and I will not be shaken. Though lips may bless and hearts may curse, and lies like arrows pierce me, I'll fix my heart on righteousness, I'll look to Him who hears me. my soul in God alone amid the world's temptations when evil seems to take a hold I'll cling to my salvation though riches come and riches go don't set your heart upon them the fields of hope in which I sow are harvested in Him. 
I hope you've been encouraged. I hope you've been fed. I hope you have been able to rejoice as you remember all that God has done for you. We hope that you'll join us again next week as we gather once again for worship and that you would be used by the Lord to sow the seeds of this hope that will one day be harvested in glory. And as we go, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of his Holy Spirit abound in us and keep us until we meet again. Amen. Thank you.